For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I will be joined by Shalene Johnson, and we'll explore how to use curiosity in your marketing. You are definitely going to want to listen to this podcast all the way to the end. Uh, Shalene drops some serious knowledge bombs, and at the very end of this, she shares a tip that's going to blow your mind. And by the way, when you listen to this podcast, you'll understand why I just said what I said. Also, If you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. Today I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found that there is a cool new uh, feature inside of the brand new Gmail, and it's called Smart Compose. Well, let's start by telling everybody how to switch to the new Gmail because some people probably don't even realize how to do that. Do you know how to do that? Yeah. So I think it's as simple as going into your Gmail account and then going to the upper right. And I believe there's a notification there for most people that shows up and you just say, uh, yes, (laughs) I would like to try out the new Gmail. Now, if you have a corporate account like we do, you need to get whoever is the administrator of your account to activate that so that all of your, you know, so all the people that work for the company can get access to that. And it's really awesome, all this cool stuff you can do, including like integrated calendar. The calendar thing is really killer, but go ahead and tell me about this discovery you just made. Yeah, so this one, this is one that they actually announced after uh, new Gmail had come out. And this is what they announced at uh, Google I.O., and I was able to go check, and I do have it. And what it is, so Smart Compose is what it's called. And what it is, is it is basically an AI slash machine learning that's integrated into Gmail that predicts what you're typing and gives you suggestions as you're typing to help you finish your email more quickly. Wow, that's kind of like their Smart Replies, right? Because it is. their Smart Reply... I don't know if they call it that, but it it, yes, see, it, it studies your way that you respond to most messages and it actually uses your language and gives you options to click. So Smart Compose, literally, like, like how does it work? Yeah, so let me give you an example. So I, I was playing around with it. And by the way, actually, let me first, let me tell you how you get it because this is not complicated. What you do is you go into new Gmail. So that's assuming you've already set that up. And then you go up to the gear button in the upper right in your 
uh, in your inbox, and there's that's your settings. You cl- click the gear and click settings, and then go further down, and it's right there. You click and enable the experimental access, and then make sure to scroll down further and click save. Now, how this works is I pretended I was writing an email to you, and I said uh, I put in uh, you know your email address, and then I went into the subject and it suggested a subject based on subjects that I often use with you. Then I went down into the text of the email, and I started by saying, uh, I would like to get a meeting scheduled. And then before I started typing anything else, it suggested for next week. And all I had to do was hit tab, and it populated that. And oh, I see. Next- so it added the yeah. words for next week is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And so then the next piece was I started to write, are there times and then it populates that work best for you question mark and then i hit tab and it put put that in there as well was it pretty seamless yeah i, I mean it was ultimately seamless i i could see getting used to this workflow where as i'm typing what i want to say next is automatically there and i just hit the tab button and it adds it so this is pretty pretty cool. This is uh, almost like when you're text messaging on your iPhone and it tries to figure out what word you're about to type in. Is that right? But it's a it's, little, it's, it's a little better than that. It, it's exactly like that, but yes, you're right. It is better. And the reason it's better is because it's studying your language even more so because again, it's Google and how much more are you typing in your Gmail than you are on your phone with texts Yep. and the fact that it's doing more than just one uh, word at a time. It's suggesting like almost whole sentences or at least half sentences. And we should clarify, this is a browser desktop solution. So this is not going to work yes. like in mail on your phone or anything. Maybe it'll work in the Google Mail app on your phone, but we don't know that. No, not yet. Not as far as I know. However, uh, and I did test this, it does work with multiple browsers. So this isn't just a, you know, you use G- Gmail inside of, uh, say, Chrome, their their own browser. This works in Firefox. This works in Safari. This works in multiple browsers. Now, I've switched over to the new Gmail, and the only thing that I don't like about it, um, I was I figured out how to compress it so it doesn't take as much vertical space, you know, the rows. But the only thing I don't like about it is the little pop-up notification that says Mail Sent. Have you figured out how to shut that thing off? Now, that's interesting because I don't know that I've seen that. So I must have some sort of settings. When set. you send mail, like about yeah. 30 to 60 seconds later, it's not a pop-up. It's a little black thing that shows up in the bottom left corner that says Mail Sent, and you have to exit out of it. It's just it's kind of like a ridiculous thing that I cannot figure out. So if anyone who's listening to this figures it out, <laughs> um, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. So Eric, again, uh, tell everybody how to find this feature, Smart Compose. Yes. So first off, again, to turn on uh, new Gmail, make sure that you go to the upper right of your Gmail. And again, like Mike said, if you are part of a, uh, what is it called again? Corporate the account. proper name. Corporate. The corporate account, yeah, you'll you'll have to have whoever's in charge of that turn turn it on at that level for it to show up as an option for you. But after you turn on new Gmail, then you go up to the upper right and you click on the gear, and then it that'll uh, bring up the menu where you say settings, and then you scroll down and make sure you check the box that says experimental access. Then scroll down further and click save. So there, it doesn't really have. say smart compose. That's just what they're calling it. But it's, if you look for the word smart compose, you're not going to find it is what I'm hearing you say. Correct. Yeah. You won't find it specifically labeled that, but it is one of the multiple experimental things that you'll 
in a sense, be enabling at that point. So thank you so much for bringing us that brand new find, Eric. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And now for this week's interview with Shalene Johnson. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Shalene Johnson. If you don't know who she is, she's a marketer. She's a speaker. She's a teacher. She's a lifelong learner. And she's also the author of the book, Push. And she's also founder of the 131 Method, which you can find at 131method.com, which is a site that helps people get healthy and lose weight in non-traditional ways. Shalene, welcome back Mm -hmm. to the show. Oh, Michael, thank you so much. It's always an honor to be here with you. So today we're going to dig into this concept that I've heard you refer to as curiosity marketing, which I think is fascinating and very relevant for social media marketers. But before we do, Uh I would love you to tell us about the journey that you've been on over the last few years and, um, you know, Take it away. I mean, just some people yeah. here don't know anything about you. So maybe just a little <laughs> bit about what you're known for and then the journey you've been on. Well, thank you for that opportunity. I um, I think probably most people know me from health and fitness. I've done uh, quite a few infomercials and have been featured in tens of millions of exercise DVDs. So that's how most people know me. But what the reason why I've been successful in fitness is really because I, I love business and I love helping people solve problems, whether it's fitness or selling cars, which is what I did to put myself through college, or helping people figure out how to do this for themselves. And by this, I mean, start a business and market it online. So in addition to the fitness component of my professional life, I've also spent a lot of time kind of trying to teach people what I've learned about marketing and building an online business and and trying to create at least a percentage of my income that feels passive. Um, but the last two years, I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say I took a left turn because I'm still in health and fitness, but it took a very different turn for me um, when I started experiencing in just devastating brain fog. And I had my brain scanned. Hmm. And at the Amen Clinic, I had a brain spect done by uh, Dr. Amen. And on the spect, it revealed I my brain was literally 20 years older than what it should be. What does that mean? Uh, it means that I had been kind of damaging my own brain unknowingly. Huh. Um, and uh, so if you if you watch PBS in the mornings, Dr. Amen's special is on now, and you, you can catch a glimpse of my brain because he likes to show it as a before and after. When I looked at my brain and saw I had these you know, this toxicity all over in my brain. And he showed me areas where I was getting zero blood flow, which explained a lot of what I thought was just, well, you know, you're getting older and that's why I can't remember anything. But none of those excuses were valid. It was a result of lifestyle. It was a result of things I thought I was doing for my health, which actually had the opposite effect. And it was a result of over-exercising and choosing the wrong types of exercise and and um, following the advice that I was giving to others about diet, and when this happened, it was it was a you know God moment. I just realized like I I'm a health and fitness professional, 
and I've never looked at research. I've mm. not, I've, I've regurgitated what other people said, but I, how do I know if, and now I do know these things aren't making me healthy. And, and so I set out on a two year path doing research and meeting with doctors and researchers and going, touring to universities and learning, teaching myself how to read, um, scientific studies and just trying to figure out like, oh, so what are we supposed to eat and how are we supposed to exercise and what are we supposed to feel like? And that has led me to uh, my perp. Well, I always think we're living our purpose when we're serving others. And today I feel as though I'm in health and fitness, but in a whole new perspective and really teaching people what it means to live longer, to be happier, to be healthier. And in the process that helps people lose weight, but it's different for every one of us. And I believe my role is to simplify the process because it's not an easy, it's not simple. It's a complicated process. My job is to try to simplify it. Very fascinating. And um, to, to transition this, you are in transition, right? So you are, you are going from one thing to another within a big industry. And mm -hmm. as a result of doing that, um, there's a certain um, Shalene way, if you will, that has made you famous, right? And, and a lot of it has to do with being very much a teacher of what you learn as you learn it, right? And being yeah. and very much sparking curiosity in people. So mm -hmm. um, I think that that's a good transition. And we'll definitely get back to where people can discover more about this um, the stuff that you, you're working on at yeah. the end of the podcast. But I think it's a good transition because you're now at a point where you are building something new and you're applying some of the same marketing principles, I would imagine, yeah. that you've used to get yourself successful in the other things that you've done. Now, before you tell us about this concept of curiosity, Mark, and I'd like to, to first ask you this question, what do you think is wrong with the way so many people are marketing today? Or said another way, why is so much marketing not working today? Hmm. I think because we often just copy what we see other people doing who are successful, right? Or we assume that they're successful and we lose authenticity when we do that. And also we fail to listen to ourselves. Like, you know, when we look at what everyone else is doing and if it doesn't come natural to us, we just do it. And we, we, we don't tune into, well, what do I like? And what am I paying attention to? And what would grab my attention? And how would I like to be talked to? Mm. And I try to use that. But I always have to remind myself because I get caught up in that same game, right? Like where you, you look at what your competitors are doing. You're like, well, we should do it like that. And then I just always have to remind myself, the more passionate I am about my message or whatever it is that at the moment I'm on fire about – I have to figure out the best way to reach as many people as possible if I'm truly about serving others. Fascinating. And and I, I do I do feel this way myself. I'm I think all of us who are in marketing or who are entrepreneurial are always wanting to learn new things and try new things. And when we see someone else do something that we think is successful, um, we just assume if we could get their playbook, right? We, yes. we would be successful. But in reality, we're not taking into account the fact that these people have personality and and they've built a tribe, right? And they've got a relationship with that tribe that someone else may not. And that's why that very same tactic might not work, right? Exactly. And also, so many of the people that we look at, we don't know 
all the ins and outs. We don't know how big their team is, how long they've been doing this, how much traffic they receive, what they want their lifestyle to look like. We just go, well, they're successful, so I should do that too. Perfect. So let's now get into this concept of curiosity. Um, but before yeah. we do, I want to ask you, I know you've been a student lately of copywriting. Um, why is the concept of curiosity such a powerful concept? Like what's mm. going on? Why is that so important for humans? It's a great question. I love this. Because our brains don't like to have a gap. It's like when your parents, you were little and they gave you a little bit of information, you knew it wasn't the whole story, so your mind fills in the gaps. It's the child who's laying on their bed and they can't see what's under their bed. They assume something's under there, so you, we fill in the gaps. Our brain wants, we want to connect the dots. So when we can't connect the dots, it's a more powerful captivator, a more powerful motivator than even our fear of loss or our desire for gain is our desire to quench our thirst for curiosity. Interesting. So I guess the natural next question is how in the world does that apply to business? <laughs> well, I would suggest that people think about first, um, what's our goal? Our goal is to engage with people. It's to get their attention and to maintain it right? And nowhere is this more challenging than on TV. So if you if you look at like a television show, like I, I was watching reruns of, don't judge, Storage Wars last night. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've never seen it, it's like, it's this like cable, uh, you know, network TV show where they auction off abandoned storage units. And sometimes they're filled with nothing. And sometimes they're filled with amazing treasures. But they do this thing that keeps you engaged, where just before they cut to commercial, they slide up the door on the storage unit, and you get a little glimpse inside, and then boom, they cut to commercial. Huh. So you're you're left wondering, like, so did they, did they make their money back? Is there something incredibly valuable in there? Or was it a bust? You know, and a, a good television series that are on TV and with a cliffhanger, right? And then you got to come and watch it next week. It's a similar concept, isn't it? Yes. And if you think about it, that's probably the toughest place to keep people's attention. You know, they're trying to get us to watch the commercials. They're trying to get us not to change the channel. And it's a really long program in a society where there's a very short attention span. So if we take note of how they're doing that... And think about how to translate that into the attention we're trying to maintain. Um, because the longer we have someone's attention, the more likely we are to build trust, right? And and so it's, it is really important to keep people's attention longer. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's get into the strategy because I know there's three steps to your strategy. So, um, and, and we're going to dig in deep here. So what's the first part of the strategy? I think the... First thing for people to remember, and I, and I made these really easy for people to remember because that's how my brain works. Uh, the first one is that borrowed words are for the birds. And by that, I mean, when we use copy, when we use language, even when we're speaking uh, you know, on video to our customers or to our audience on a social media platform, if we start using someone else's language, it feels inauthentic. You know, only... Only the words that you use feel natural. And there's, it's very subtle, but especially on video, when someone's being inauthentic or they're uncomfortable, it's so easy to identify. 
even if it's subconscious in the minds of the viewer. Um, an example of this is my infomercial Pio. So right now there's a you know the the infomercials on TV, so people can check out an example of this. But when I first created Pio, which is a fusion of Pilates and yoga, um, and I partner with Beachbody to bring this to TV in infomercial form, we spent. I shouldn't say we, they spent a bajillion dollars bringing on the right host, you know, a, a celebrity to be the spokesperson, um, the right company to come in and write my script, you know, a studio audience to clap and applaud and, you know, this kind of like fake scene where it seemed like we were on a TV show talking about Pio and and I didn't have much much time to talk to the camera. When I did, I was reading from a teleprompter somebody else's words. Mm. And it didn't do well. I mean, we tested it for over a year. Um, they could never get it to do much more than break even. And so the CEO, Carl Deichler, called and said, Shalina, you know, I, I want you to know we tried and tried and tried. It's, it's just not working. And um, we've spent too much money. We're kind of done budget-wise. I said, okay, can I have a shot at just using my words and I'll film it myself and I'll do it from my iPhone and I and I know exactly what this girl needs to hear and I know how I want to talk to her and I know why I created this program and can I just talk to her and and let me do this and he said I love it yeah go for it but I need it in like two weeks so I didn't use a script I didn't use hair or makeup I just used my iPhone and held up my iPhone and I talked to her in the authentic words that I would want to hear about how she was feeling, she meaning my customer, and why why this program was created for me in my language. And that infomercial, when we tested it just, you know, about a month later, uh, was the number one infomercial and held that spot for the majority of the year. In fact, it was the um, infomercial of the year last year, and it's still, it's still kicking butt. Which is crazy because if you see it on TV, I filmed it on the wrong settings. It's completely grainy. My son's like, Mom, what was on your lens? It's so blurry. But it's it's authentic. And that's why we have to use our own words. And when we start watching other people too closely, we start picking up their language. And it just isn't as real or as authentic. This is kind of fascinating to me. So borrowed words are for the birds. Um so I think what I'm hearing you say is that, number one, you need to speak in a language that's comfortable for you, right? Because you are, you are, whenever you create anything, you know, if, if it sounds fabricated, people are going to sense that is what I'm hearing you say, right? And we're in yes. a, and maybe we're even in an era where people want to hear things that are more real and less scripted. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? I, I think for sure. I mean, Michael, you know this better than anyone. It's... That's what's changed is everybody is competing for the same set of eyeballs and we are, we've just almost become jaded by so much of the marketing and techniques and tactics and we feel like people are strategizing and everyone wants to avoid being scammed or taken advantage of or, um, you know, bamboozled. We want we want to know that we are in charge of our own destiny. And to do that, we have to be able to trust people. And I think that's why authenticity is so huge. In fact, I just left a meeting with a group uh, that does Facebook ads, and they were just talking about 
the fact that what outperforms everything right now is native social videos um, just turned into ads, like where the person doesn't even know it's going to be an ad, but it's them speaking passionately about their thing. And that ends up being the best content because we're looking for real. Hmm. Interesting. So this scares the heck out of a lot of people. The idea that I should just be me and Mm. not necessarily because like, let's be honest, Shanleen, like you and I grew up where everybody that was on television was perfect. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they sat in front of the camera and read the nightly news, you know, with, with with the strange voice and stuff like that. And, and, um, there's a lot of people that, and, um, I mean, there you go. Right. Like those are not acceptable words. I have two degrees. But in they speech. are now. I have two degrees in speech an undergraduate and a master's <laughs> degree in speech. They taught me how to be perfect. I need to unlearn all that is what I'm hearing you say. Right. Yeah. I think that's, you know, just wrapping our heads around the fact that you're going to win. In fact, the people who I watch on social media, who I can just tell it's awfully perfect and it's awfully contrived and they're really searching for the right word or, or a podcast where they're reading from a script. I just, I don't, I, you know, I don't buy it. I don't believe it. I don't like it. I don't relate to it. Like I, so when, for example, when I did the video for the Pio infomercial, I literally told myself, you are talking to your aunt Nellie. Just she would not judge you. She loves how quirky and funny you are and a goofball. And so be that. So I just think, you know, it's practice. I don't disagree with you that people are nervous about it, but it's practice. And that's why I love Snapchat and Instagram stories, because it's giving it's making you practice the 10 second soundbite. Interesting. And of course, with live video. I mean, I don't know if you're still going live as often as you used to, but with live video, this is also a great opportunity for you to practice because once you push that button and you're live, there is no remakes. There's no retakes, right? And there is something to that. The idea that you can engage with your audience and that you can just be you because if there is a place where you, you know, with Snapchat, you can always redo it, you know, with live video, you're not redoing it. So what's your thoughts on that? Do you think we should do more live video to just practice being us live? I do. I think everything that we do, the more often we do it, the better we get. And I find that most people really fear the comments, you know, and I always tell people then the best way to do that then is just to turn off the comments until you feel comfortable. And and then just know, like, if you're getting comments, you've got viewers and the more viewers you get, the more weird and obscure, I'm sure you've had this happen, Michael, uh, comments are going to come along. But it's, that's just proof that people are watching. Absolutely. Okay. So we talked about one of the steps, which is borrowed words are for the birds. What are, Mm -hmm. what are some of the other steps? Well, the second step I say, don't tell me you plan to sell me. And by this, I think that one of the biggest mistakes people are making right now in this space is they're making it really obvious that they're gearing up for a sale or it's the first thing that you see about them because they're either leading with their product or they kind of disappear and then suddenly they're, you know, back in your newsfeed and it's just really obvious that they're ramping up for a launch or the sale or a promotion of something where, you know, it feels like a fair weather friend, right? Mm-hmm. It's very obvious you're about to sell me something. I, I want you to, I want to have your attention on a regular basis and in order to do that, I've got to be consistent. 
I think one mistake that a lot of people make is that they they put all of their products in their bio or for many people they'll use the name of their product or service as their handle mm. uh, so say for example and I see this quite frequently with people who either own their own small business and or people who are in multi-level marketing where they'll call themselves their product name so they'll say um uh, the blank say, expert, you know, like exactly, exactly, yeah, like yeah. the VR expert, virtual reality expert, right? Exactly, and but they'll use the name of the company, and and so now, if I'm a little bit interested, I don't, I know, and I know you're going to sell me, but I'm, let's say I'm interested in the makeup line that you rep represent, and I know the name of it, and I've been watching you, and you look really beautiful, and I love the way your makeup looks, but now, now I already know the name of the company you represent. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go to Google. And I'm going to Google it. And I'm probably going to either buy it directly from your competitor or someone else. Or worse yet, I might read negative reviews that aren't appropriate or aren't authentic. So I'm I'm losing control of that relationship if I'm telling you, okay, here's the thing that you can uh, go and buy by telling you both the product name or the the company name or naming my all of my products. What's a better idea is getting you to ask me the question, what brand of makeup do you wear? Mm, interesting. Now so, I have a relationship. So back to that bio question. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, interested in beauty and fitness or something like that, but not necessarily the name of the product that you're selling. Um, instead, talking about the interests that you have and creating content around those interests to get people to 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 naturally curiosity, right? And, and then say, hey, what are those? What's that unique shirt you're wearing or whatever? Right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? Exactly. And to be clear, it doesn't work in every situation. So I don't want people to think, oh gosh, does that mean I need to take my domain name out of my bio? Not at all. But I do think if you are in a competitive market, again, the example of multi-level marketing, where there's a lot of people offering the same product, the same service, the same domain, that I wouldn't do it there. I would, I would put your email address down. I would give people a way to reach out to you. Um, but in most instances, you know, I think we can send people to our uh, link in our bio, but we want to give them, we want to have a relationship with them first. I mean, the likelihood that somebody's just going to go cold to the link in your bio is much lower than the likelihood of someone doing that after they've had a conversation with you. This is an interesting concept for a lot of people listening right now, because a lot of people, this is part of a bigger dialogue. A lot of marketers listening right now are um, come maybe from the internet marketing world and the internet marketing world is all about conversions, right? And it's all about mm -hmm. only do what you need to do to get the sale so that you can step out of the relationship of the business. And what you're really saying, Shaleen, is, hey, this is much more about tribe building and this is much more about community development and this is much more about getting known and respected in your tribe so that they will advocate on your behalf rather than just buy your products. I think yeah. that's what I'm hearing you say. Am I right? Yeah. And I can see why marketers and myself included could be resistant to this because let's face it, Michael, it's going to take more time yep. and it, because it's more personal. But I think that's how social media works. Like we're going to see change. It's going to go back the other way at some point. 
but where we are today is people were so kind of over the fact that we're just being broadcast to right. and we're not having dialogues and now we're craving real conversations. We're craving the attention of the person who we're watching, you know, which is why when you turn on a live notification, your favorite broadcaster goes live, you want to jump on, you could watch it anytime you want, but you want to jump on live because you want to have them notice you. And that's what curiosity marketing does better than any other type of marketing. It, it validates your potential customer. It says, I see you. I hear you. I'm listening to you. I'm talking to you. And that's a really powerful connection. And I'm going to, I'm just going to make a claim here. I believe that in today's day and age, which is the middle of 2018, this is one of the only ways you will be successful in social media is by authentically going out there, creating content, getting to know the tribe. It can scale, you know, with video mm -hmm. and live video, but it is going to be more work than only showing up when you have a launch because the world yeah. is getting smarter. Humans are more sophisticated now. They know your game marketer and algorithms are going to go out of their way to prevent you from creating the salesy marketing content without paying for it, right? So this oh is gosh, your yes. opportunity to now do something and to stand out because in a world full of marketers with signs around their neck that say buy now, the ones that don't look like marketers are going to be the ones that are going to be successful. Amen. Amen. I agree. So it, it's leveled the playing field for the person who isn't, uh, you know, beautiful Hollywood looks and incredibly articulate on camera. We trust someone who looks a little bit more like our neighbor. Right. Okay. So, so far we've talked about borrow word, borrowed words are for the birds, which is mm -hmm. really a concept of be authentic. We've talked about don't tell me you plan to sell me, which is really mm -hmm. all about like, don't lead with the sale. That's really what yeah. I'm hearing you say. Don't, don't overmarket, right? Um, Correct. Instead, create auth create content that's relevant. We didn't really get into that, but I'm sure that's part of this. Is mm -hmm. there another step that we need to focus on here? Well, you know, before we move on to my next point, which I will, I, I think the way to do this, so when people are like, okay, well, if I'm not telling people that I'm selling, how how do I ever get that sale? Right. And, and we do that by creating just enough gap that people want to fill that gap that they're self-deciding for themselves to ask an additional question or to log on the next time you're live. It's creating enough gap that keeps their curiosity to stay through the commercial, if you will. An example of that might be um, when, when you're detailing a journey. Let's say, for example, you are creating a new product or a new um, event that you want people to attend. It's giving people a lot of the information, it's really exciting. They know it's something different, but they don't know what it is. And I, I need to know. What, what it, is oh, this? yeah. So that's like teasing it really, right? It's like I'm working on something exciting. Is that what I'm hearing you say? And you you can almost, without it being too obvious, right? So I wouldn't say like I'm working on really exciting something really exciting. I wish I could tell you. I would say something like, um, so the new event that we're putting together is, it's mind-blowing. And people are getting great results. We're scheduling in J July. Blah, blah. You know, so I'm giving them lots of information. It almost, the way I discovered this initially was by accident. I was Snapchatting and I, I had some kind of a glitch go on with the app and the like last four videos of a series never posted. Huh. 
And the next morning I woke up and it was like, just like comment after comment after comment. I have to know what is this event? When is it? How do I find out more? I went to your website. I couldn't find anything like message after message after message. I'm like, holy cow. Wow. This is interesting. Interesting. Very, 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 very fascinating. Which leads me to my uh, next point, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. And that is likes wear thin questions for the win, which is just a really easy way to remember that when you're creating content, I'd say 80% of the time right now, what I'm trying to do, not 100%, but 80% of the time, I'm not thinking, okay, is this going to get me a ton of likes? Is this the stuff that someone's going to share? I am thinking to myself, what can I create that has will have people intrigued or curious or want to ask additional questions or engage in insightful conversation? So that's cool. I would love to hear more. Like maybe tell us some more about that. I mean, I know you kind of hinted a little bit about that Snapchat. Let me give you an example. Um, And this is a a, a true example I saw of a gal who uh, is in a multi-level marketing organization and she had posted a photo of herself in a really cute workout outfit. Body looks amazing. And below the post, she wrote, about the details of how she had transformed her body and the program that she used and how long the program lasted and how they could purchase it and click my link for the bio. And below it, because the the image caught my attention, below it were hundreds of questions, but they were all asking about the one thing she didn't give them, which was details about her outfit. Mm. So they're not going to ask about the thing that she's you know, she because she didn't create any cr- curiosity around the workout program. Instead, she had this great outfit on, super cute out, you know, fitness outfit, and she didn't give any details on that. If she'd done it in reverse, so here's how I would have suggested she do that: I would have posted a super cute outfit. I would have said how much I paid for it, where I got it, but I would have never bought this outfit had I not found the confidence that I developed over the course of the last. 60 days doing this workout program that I believe is my soulmate workout. It didn't hurt my joints and my husband loved it too. And it's really changed my life. Mm, fascinating. Done. I wouldn't even say, you know, hit me up if you have any questions. I would just leave it like that because now every, no one's going to ask about the outfit. They're going to ask the right questions. Okay. So I would love you to, Okay, so the step one is the borrow words are for the bird. Step two is tell me don't you don't plan to sell me. Don't tell me you plan to sell me. And last one is mm-hmm. likes worth in questions for the win, right? So yes, in this last one, it's obviously about likes worth in. Talk about what that part means. Just be clear on that because I don't think we did. Yeah, so let's talk about human behavior again, and that's what I encourage everyone to think about when you are developing your own social media strategies. And whether you hear one from me or another expert that Michael brings to you. Always ask yourself, would that work for me? Because that's what's going to work for your tribe, the people you're trying to attract. And when I think about the type of curiosity that I want to create, and if I'm focusing on likes, I'm always, and I'm using that as my measure of success, I'm going to be terribly disappointed because likes are getting fewer and fewer and fewer. And if we look at our own behavior, we know why. We're following a lot of people. Uh, It's an extra step. You know, if you've got a carousel, let's say, on on Facebook or on um, Instagram, that's a few more actions. Like I've got to swipe to see the other photos. Now I've already – now I've just 
expended two or three actions and I'm going to move on and forget to give you the double tap for the like. So likes aren't telling us who's curious. Likes don't tell us who's curious. Likes tell us people gave us an obligatory tap. And obligatory taps don't pay the mortgage. Relationships are how we change the world, are how we serve other people, and ultimately how we sell more things. Okay, so let's use your method and let's talk about your new 131 method as an example. So the 131 Mm -hmm. method, the 131 method, you know what it is. So go through each of the steps and like say, how would you use each one of these steps to position this new thing that you're doing? So for a program like that, people are generally very curious about what you're eating and why and how. It's almost easier with diet because most people want the specifics. They, so if I were to say, well, it's, uh, you know, it's about clean eating, people are like, whoa, so what does that mean? Does that mean plant-based? Does that mean? So they're automatically going to ask questions. It's giving people enough information so that they're, at least they want to fill in the gap. So what's really important about this technique is that you find this kind of middle ground where you're giving them enough information that they want to follow along and fill in the gaps. Because when we don't know anything, we're not curious. Right. When we know a little something, we're, we're curious. When we know everything, we're not curious. We're like, okay, I, I got it. I don't need to ask any questions. I don't need to follow you anymore. I, I, I get it. And they come to their own conclusions. So it's being thoughtful about it. It's just thinking about your next post or whatever you're going to say the next time you go live and just say, here's what I want to talk about. What piece should I perhaps like, I hate to say this, but I will intentionally leave pieces out because I want you to be curious. Like that is the cornerstone of learning. If children aren't curious, they're not likely to learn. They'll just memorize. Hmm. So in the case of your 131 method, if it's about clean eating, um, that might, you might talk a little bit about what clean eating is. Cause I, I mean, I guess people would be like, that's a cool phrase. What the heck does that mean? Or, I mean, like, how would you like, 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 I know I'm asking you to use your own example. If you want, you I'm can happy to, pick no, it. this is great. Yeah. Let's like, go ahead and like walk through it yeah. so people can like understand. So I'll share my own examples, but I want your listener to keep in mind that you don't have to put too much strategy into this. Just think about how you document what you do right. and what you're passionate about. Document it, but don't don't flood us with a, a fire hose. Drip it out. Because when we drip it out, it's almost like that, you know, again, it's, it's keeping people engaged. We've all watched, um, you know, those makeover shows. And we know how it's going to end. It ends the same way every time. But because they don't give us that at the beginning, they drip it out, we're it maintains our curiosity. So for me, what I've done over the course of the last two years, which was very authentic, was just documented what I'm doing and giving people enough information that has them curious, but they might not know exactly what that means. And when you say documented, explain what you mean by that. So each day, depending on what I'm doing, I'm sharing with them what I'm learning and why I'm so passionate about it and what effects it's having. Hmm. And I'm sharing with them for example, people's testimonials or how it's transformed someone's health. And for an example like that, I might share a before and after photo and talk about how this person um, struggled with Hashimoto's and weight loss resistance and had been on every diet under the planet. Once they stopped dieting and learned how to diet phase, which is what we teach in the 131, 
Um, once this person learned diet phasing, the weight just came off very naturally. And I would say that without saying 131. But if you notice what I did do is I included a phrase that not many people are familiar with, and that's diet phasing. Okay, pause. This is so cool. In my first, I don't know if you know this, but in my first book, Writing White Papers, this was what I was known for before social media examiner. And I always talked about how you should make up a phrase that Mm. may become an industry phrase eventually that has some certain intuitive meaning to it. And and then when you use that, um, then you can talk about like later what to look for when looking for someone who specializes in diet phase or whatever. Right. And that's, that's what you're doing here. Kind of right. Uh, Yeah. I probably learned it from you. I don't know about that, but but it's fascinating to hear how, because that's something I did in the copywriting world because I was a copywriter before I yes. became a social media marketer, you know? Okay. I'm so glad you said that because that's where I really, once I had that experience, that epiphany when I woke up one day with bajillions of questions, is I started looking at like, okay, so what what did I do? How did I do, how did I do this? Why is there so much curiosity? And right away, I was led to all of the great copywriting experts. So copywriters have been doing this forever. They're really, really good at it. And if you watch infomercials, they're really good at it too. There's, for example, everyone's seen the P90X infomercial. And one of the phrases that they use in that is the secret to P90X was muscle confusion. Mm. We know what muscles are. We know what confusion is, but what the heck is muscle confusion? Right. Now I'm cur- now I'm curious. So it's it's you know don't be afraid to use like you said words that people um, can maybe, naturally understand a little bit, but want to know more about what, what it the, means. Yeah, right? what the heck is that? So that that's always a a great technique, and it's also about keeping people engaged and wanting to see it. This is a really simple way to do this. Is just take people on a journey where they want to know how this turns out. Hmm. So recently, and I'm not trying to sell anything, but I, I want to keep people's attention. I recently suffered a hamstring avulsion, which is where the hamstring muscles are torn away from your uh, pelvic bone, basically. Yikes. And it, it's a 17 millimeter, which sounds big, but it's not, a 17 millimeter tear from the bone to the muscles. And when I went to the orthopedic surgeon, the first um, advice I got was that, you know, while you're kind of on the cusp, we would, I think you'll need to have it surgically reattached. And then I went to another expert who said, you know, if you're not opposed, um, knowing your background and what you're so into, we could see if you can heal it naturally through biohacking. Um, and so another cool, another cool one of those phrases. <laughs> exactly. And um, through and get your body to produce a heightened amount of stem cells. Huh. And, and I'm like, I love it. Let's do it. So I've been taking my social media family on this journey with me and sharing with them all the things I'm doing and, and my progress. And they're staying tuned to see, like, is this going to work or is she going to have to go to surgery? You know, so and I'm intentionally doing that because it's a nice outlet for me, but it's also keeping them involved. And every day I get messages from people like, you haven't given us an update today. What's going on? Do you think you're going to make it? Do you think you're going to avoid surgery? I am like- so glad you're sharing this story because I think it's starting to connect in people's brains, right? You're basically letting them come along on your learning journey is what I'm hearing you say, right? Yes. Another example is I was following a gal uh, in social media on Snapchat randomly. 
And on one of her snaps, she said, we're, she was in Michigan. She said, we were going to take the whole family to California, and we found this doctor who we believe can really help our daughter with autism. And I believe that we can find a cure for her. And I stayed riveted to her snaps for the entire two weeks that she was in California. Like, I, And every day I was like, oh, I can't wait to find out like what kind of progress her daughter has made. And I've never even met her daughter you know like these this is just a fascinating story and i was rooting for her and i wanted to know like did it work so when you that's so cool so in your case you are sharing your journey with your audience and you are intentionally using certain kinds of language that you know are going to be generating curiosity for your tribe and then eventually you maybe you already do you know you will have people reaching out to you saying, I want to learn more. And it's at that point that you tell them about the program or like, when do you pivot into the marketing shilling, if you will? Yeah, I wish I could tell you I was strategic about it. I, I'm, I'm not, it's, it has to be organic for me. I think the main thing, main takeaway I would ask people to consider is how can you keep people's attention longer? Even if it, you know, don't think about selling people something like How can you keep people engaged? Like, that's the win. You know, I I need to be in a relationship with you. If I'm in a relationship with you, you don't even care what it is. You're like, I already trust you. So sign me up. And I think there's, if I can give people just a couple of quick ways to do this and suggest that people write these down, um, I think it'll make it a lot easier. And, And the first one is to just be a little bit more vague, just a little more vague, Mm. you know, and you don't have to put too much intention behind it, but the things that you would like for people to ask you about, um, leave that out because that's an opportunity to connect with someone. And when you're creating content that's just content, you're just documenting your day, again, have some interest there by giving, being a little bit vague but letting them follow the journey. Uh, the next thing that you could do like tomorrow is to just have a dramatic pause. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I could say, for example, that guys, I'm, I'm really excited about this new experimental supplement that my doctor's given me. It's supposed to, you know, really help promote, I'm making this up. It's really supposed to promote, um, cellular regeneration. And, um, I'm going in to get a treatment right now. I'll let you know how I feel when I'm done. And then I intentionally don't update them until the next day. Oh, I see. So when you say dramatic pause, you mean like cold, no content. Very fascinating. Yeah, it could be. It could be either way. You could because sometimes dramatic pause is just like thirty seconds of silence. But you're talking about actually being like radio silent for a little period of time to to get that curiosity engine going. Yeah, Michael, like you said in the beginning, it's the the cliffhanger, right? Yeah. Where people are, I love it because I when I do that. I will wake up the next morning and people are like, we need an update. We need, what happened? You know, and that means that people are paying attention and, and it's almost like that gamification, right? We know that a lot of websites and social media platforms spend a boatload of money trying to figure out how to get us to keep coming back, you know, Fitbits and uh, Facebook. I mean, and, and really we need to do the same thing. So it sounds like the core of your strategy is really creating short little updates on stories, whether it be Instagram stories or Snapchat. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? You can also do it on, you know, with a static photo. You can do it on Instagram. You can do it in videos. You can do it on, um, certainly you can do it with, in fact, if you think about Pinterest, it's kind of what it is, right? You'll click on a um, infographic 
that's got some really cool things on it, but you want to see the rest of the story, the other tips, and and that's going to take you back to the original posters wow. um, uh, website. And and that's the same kind of thing. It's like, well, I'm, I, I want the rest of the information. And I just think this is, I, th- I, I worry that it might scare people that it's going to take a lot of time to be interacting. And um, I would have to say it's it's worth that time. And one way I learned to scale it was by creating text replacements using my iPhone. So do you use an iPhone, Michael? Yes. Okay. So th- this is a great hack for anyone who, you know, like if you're, if you're going to practice this and say, for example, when I was talking to people about the Marketing Impact Academy. So we had our biggest launch ever of a $2,000 program that we offer just using my Snapchat audience, which is the smallest of small, small platforms I have. It's where I have the least amount of people. But we had our biggest return on investment there because I used this process. And what I did is when people you know, would ask a question, I used a text replacement function on my iPhone that just copied and pasted everything I wanted to share with them. Uh, what now, is that, a special app or something? No, so it's it's on everybody's iPhone. You just go to um, your settings and you click general and then keyboard. You'll have to scroll down a little bit and you'll see a function that says keyboard. And I know, by the way, the Android phone has something similar. I'm not sure what they call it. but So okay. you go to keyboard and then if you keep scrolling, you'll scroll to where it says text replacement. Okay. So now what I've done is you can create a three letter, if you want, acronym. Like So I might have typed in MIA. And then below that, whenever I type in the words MIA, it would, it would populate this long message where I was explaining what? to them. Are you kidding me? It's great. So even now, because I interact with like everyone I can every single day on Instagram, and Snapchat. Now that could take a lot of time, but if I can write like four or five sentences just by simply typing two letters, it's they're like, I can't, is this really you? I can't believe this. This is so cool. I can't believe you took the time to answer my question about blah, blah, blah. So if on a day, oh my gosh, I, I know I'm- that is so cool. By the way, folks, for those of you that have your iPhones in front of you, you just mm-hmm. search for keyboards at the very top. It says text replacements and you can like, like they've got, um, OMW for on my way. You know, mm-hmm. there's a couple in here that are, I don't know how they got in here. Maybe my kids put them in here, but you can just create them. And it's like a text, text expander thing really is what it's it is. It's amazing. Wow. So I will, I will, whenever I, I post content that I'm like, oh boy, I know people are going to ask me where I got that and how much it costs. I will simply create a little abbreviation that day and I'll write out like a paragraph and then I can like, boom, 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 reply to each person in detail. And they just, it's a great sense of appreciation and reciprocity that happens wow. when you communicate with your audience in that way. Shalene, you and I could talk about this stuff for hours. You're so amazing. <laughs> um, I want you to tell people where they can discover you and this new project that you're working on. And I also want to say thank you so much for all the cool little nuggets and tidbits and stuff, because I know while I'm listening to you, I'm thinking to myself, wow, like this is inspiring me on some of the stuff that I'm working on. So thank you. Oh, it's always a pleasure. I really do appreciate the opportunity. Um, Yeah, you know what would be really cool is if people tested this out and see if I really do reply. My Snapchat handle 
is Shalene Official, all one word, Shalene Official. Um, and, you know, send me a message and see if I, if, see if I reply. I bet I will. And if you want to learn more about the 131, it's 131method.com. And, of course, you can hit me up at shalenejohnson.com. Thank you so much, Shalene. I really appreciate you coming on today's show. So fun. Thank you, Michael. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's podcast interview. If there was anything we mentioned, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 307. Also, hit that subscribe button if you're new so you never miss a future episode. And don't forget to check out our new Facebook Ads Summit coming in July. This is the online event where you can improve your ad strategy. Visit fbsummit.info for details. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world. And keep being curious, people. Keep being curious. See you next week. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.